You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. This is Monday Football Monday, the premier broadcast of the SB Nation NFL Show has to offer. We love Shocker Alert to talk about the NFL. And a reminder before we get started here that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Once again, this is the SB Nation NFL show. You can watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel, the SB Nation NFL Facebook page, the SB Nation NFL Twitter page. And of course, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Look for the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, leave a rating, ride review. It puts bread on our table. And if you don't do it, all of us are going to go hungry. But I'm not going to go hungry today. In fact, my heart, my plate is full because I am going to be joined by a fantastic cast of characters. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog of the boys. Joining me as always every single Monday is fantastic producer Rachel Prevet. And of course, from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride, Pete, happy Monday, Football Monday to you, my friend. Hey, how's it going? Nice. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know if it's obvious. I write these down. Like I look forward to introducing you every single Monday, and I'm, I'm <laughs> always excited to kind of see the the joy that that hits your face. But I was, yeah. I was kind of hating on you a little bit before we started recording, which maybe took the wind out of your sails. No, it, you did a little bit, and now we have a guest who you know I don't particularly like, and there, wow. obviously there's something going. There's going on wrong with my camera. I don't know why it's so zoomed out, and I'm, I'm trying to figure that out as we go here. But there, the camera has been an issue, even dating back to the the Ross Tucker podcast. That's right. And so, well, you know, I understand you're sore because Ross picked you last of his SB Nation NFL Monday mm -hmm. Football Monday favorites, and so yeah. you know, when it comes to the MF Double MVP, we'll see who walks away with today's. Not, not that I have a feud brewing with Ross Tucker, but I did notice he doesn't even follow any of the hosts wow i mean he's got less than 100 followers he said how fond he was of you he doesn't even follow you on twitter I look i mean that's not everything in the world pete i started a tiktok last week i've been moving and grooving sure. and hustling over there so i mean maybe ross you are, you know, right. i haven't checked maybe he follows me there you just you know there's a lot of avenues and a lot of platforms for discussion there's there's a ton of money to be made on the talk if you go viral you know rj i i feel like maybe you know this sb nation can be something that you leave in the rearview mirror never uh, never no bury me in sb nation um you mentioned <laughs> we have a guest uh of course the 2022 uh, nfl draft was last week and we're here to discuss our yeah. our favorite groups our least favorite groups um mm -hmm. kind of everything in between but the the vogue pick the sexy pick the 
the just everyone agrees they dominated the draft is the team yeah. that dominated the Kansas City Chiefs in week three of last season. I am, of course, talking about my Baltimore Ravens, his Baltimore Ravens. Joining us, the manager, editor-in-chief, head honcho, the all-time goat from Baltimore Beatdown, SB Nation's home for Baltimore Ravens content. It is Kyle Barber. KB, thank you so much for gracing us with your astute presence. I am grateful for such an intro. That's right. You know, yeah. as Pete just says, oh, what's up? You know, I yeah. I shower in it. I bask in it. And I appreciate <laughs> the energy, RJ. And I'm going to do my best to deliver it right back for you. Hi, Pete. The last time Kyle was here, he brought a plate. And it was after. To be clear, he, that was, uh, he wasn't literally here for that. Um, he just had a presence on the show. Was. That was a pre-recorded video of, you know, <laughs> how the sausage gets made. That wasn't him actually, like, one-on-one -on -one doing that to you. Um, I just don't, you know, I just don't forget things. And well, so you forgot remember that what now. it was. So you clearly do. Um, not alive. Yeah. Opinions. Well, that's what that's why I have you, RJ. Uh, I have you to remind me and, and kind of tell me how it is. And uh, that's why we keep you around. How you remind me and a great song. By Nickelback. I'm unforgettable. So mm. that's yeah. why you don't, you know, you remember that part. Kyle Unforgettable Barber is what we call him. Kyle Unforgettable <laughs> Barber. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, uh, we'll get there one way or another. Um, yeah. Kyle, we want yeah. to start talking about our favorite draft classes. Um, I do have the Kansas City Chiefs in my five. And here's a bit of a spoiler, or not spoiler, but just kind of peek behind the curtain for everyone, including you, Kyle. Um, we have a Google Doc where we list show notes for this show. It's filled with we it's do. filled with we, my we selections for favorite draft classes, least favorite draft classes, ones I have questions about. Rachelle monitors this and checks it because she's a fantastic producer and gets all the appropriate notes necessary. Not a single piece of input from Pete, just so we're all aware here. Um, he's very selfish just, with his notes. I, you gotta send you gotta send me that link. Uh, I'll have to get that going for just next consider show. that Kyle because you're gonna have a vote for today's MF double MVP. You and Rachelle gonna gonna you know do the math on, on figuring out who wins it but uh my favorite draft class shocker here uh not a, a you know a unique pick by any means the baltimore ravens walked away with like i don't know a thousand first round picks um but walked away without marquise hollywood brown it was a crazy hectic weekend kyle i imagine there was speculation that aj brown would get traded he obviously did and debo samu who did not the hollywood brown thing kind of came out of nowhere then he said well it's kind of been in the works for a month like your thoughts on the trade, the overall weekend? I mean, are, are the Ravens so much better? I think they are going to be better no matter what, but this infuses a lot of talent to their roster. You know, the, the, the phrase that every NFL team after the draft is, we got better this weekend. And while that's true for most teams because you have an influx of talent, no matter which team you are, I believe the Ravens are true in that sentence sentence they drafted kyle hamilton arguably the best player in this draft with number 14 overall great player great name too like you said of course and also landed tyler linderbaum the best center prospect in about the last five years with the number 25 pick they acquired that from trading like you said marquise hollywood brown to the arizona cardinals for the number 23 overall pick jump back a couple spots and that's where they got linderbaum uh, overall, the the trade was definitely a shock. I was in the media room at the Baltimore Ravens facilities when it happened. We were all writing up about Kyle Hamilton, and then suddenly the trade comes across our screen, and Hollywood is already in Arizona at their draft party. So this had clearly been in the works for a while. It had been agreed to in a while, but the Ravens didn't want that being released 
earlier because they didn't want other teams to have an advantage with the information as to whether or not they would want to capitalize on having a new need at wide receiver and going and maybe drafting one of those players that ultimately did go too quickly when the wide receiver run occurred in the first round. Pete, your thoughts. I mean, you know, Kansas City had a great draft class, but it was peanuts compared to what Baltimore did. I disagree. I I think a lot of people have been pretty high on the Kansas City Chiefs draft class, and I think for good reason. I think they got a little bit lucky, too, um, Chiefs-wise, and maybe you could say this about Ravens, where the picks that they made were kind of fitting the value at positions of need, and I think sometimes these drafts come with a little bit of luck. And I also, you know, I've noticed that everyone is is so high on the Chiefs and Ravens. And, and a counterpoint of that is they had a lot of picks. So when you have so many picks, and like for the Chiefs, for example, what they did in the in the final day is so we, they said, we have all these picks. This is, this we're gonna is about the Ravens, Pete. But I'm saying we're just going to continue to draft defensive backs. And like, you know, you look at the Ravens and they have a safety, a center, an edge. And then, you know, all those fourth rounders that Peter King wrote about in his um, football morning in America. When you have that many picks, you can really, I think, fill needs. And right after the draft, everyone feels like they're going to be a, a day one contributor. And so I, I just think the sheer number of picks helps your post draft grade. And you see later down the line whether or not that that comes to fruition. I think that could be part of it, but also they they acquire those picks by being a savvy franchise. They had six fourth round picks, the most in the fourth round ever. It was truly a spectacle. Uh, you know, even in the media when we were all kind of looking around at each other, like, are, are we really going to have to write up six picks in the fourth round on day three? It became a, a little bit of a joke because you weren't expecting them to actually go through with it. You thought maybe they would trade up on day two, grab another third rounder, or if they liked somebody that was falling again, they could go in and grab them. But that's not what happened. They drafted six players. They got two tight ends. They got Daniel Falale, who is a, a mountain of an offensive tackle who is getting a lot of uh, you know, links to Orlando Brown Jr., former Ravens, current chief right now at right tackle, a guy that sounds like he wants to play right tackle, which is kind of nice as opposed to the individual who left Baltimore to uh, go mm. play left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. But overall, Zeus. they landed a, a lot of talented players and I wouldn't necessarily agree that the Ravens uh, got players that filled positional need. The Ravens have their safety depth. They they signed Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million contract. They needed a center fielder free safety. And then with the first pick in the draft, they get Kyle Hamilton. They already have a full safety room with Chuck Clark, Williams, Brandon Stevens, and Tony Jefferson, and also Geno Stone. But this is the kind of player that can allow them to operate with more freedom with personnel groups, dime packages, things of the like, which the draft kind of signified that the Ravens are wanting to operate under the 2019 offense and defensive system. They're wanting to go back, get back to a strong rushing attack and utilizing multiple tight end sets. That's why they double dipped at tight end with Charlie Collar and Isaiah Likely. They got a center prospect, the one, you know, as I mentioned, one of the best of the last four or five years in terms of prospects. And they want to be able to build an offensive line surrounding off 
surrounding Lamar Jackson. They want to be able to run the football and also operate with uh, dime packages, which they were the fourth most used in 2019 for the Baltimore Ravens in, in a league-wide perspective. So they want to be able to match up against different oppositions, uh, personnel groups with tight ends, uh, and face off against people like Travis Kelsey, who is a matchup mm. nightmare. And now they can have uh, you know a different tandem of safeties operating to t- attempt to slow down tight ends, which kind of give them fits over the last couple of years. You mentioned that you can't slow down Travis Kelsey. Uh, we know that. I do want to ask you about this little. You can note. outrun oh. him, though, with Mark Andrews and yeah, his production. That's right. I do like managers. Uh, Rachel would tell you that. Uh, with Calvin Austin, I, I thought this was an interesting point of Peter King's article. I don't know if you've seen it this morning, but the Ravens were all set to take Calvin Austin out of Memphis, runs a 4-3-2 like Hollywood Brown, and then he ends up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did you see this little nugget that the Ravens were high on him, and, and what is your reaction to that? I did see it. It's actually the lead story on BaltimoreRavens.com's article that I write every Monday uh, nice. late for work. Uh, yes, the Steelers did – in in uh, a phrase poach a wide receiver that the ravens were interested in calvin austin definitely was a player that we all kind of had on our uh proverbial boards expecting them to go get a wide receiver after trading hollywood brown uh they they're in decent shape with the receiving room and i include mark andrews as a receiver just because that is a pass catcher you know he is incredible with his playmaking ability so that's definitely the way to go about it um but yeah, you wanted to see them go after wide receiver, address the need that they just sent away in that first round wide receiver who just had a thousand yards. Hollywood's the first wide receiver for the Ravens to have a thousand yards since Mike Wallace in 2016. Ooh, so it's been a while. Interesting. Exactly. You know, little. Uh, who was the last one before Mike Wallace? Is it Anquan Bolden? I think it, I think it might have been Torrey Smith. Ah. It could have been maybe Kamar Aiken, but those are not big star names. And the Ravens have always had a bit of a struggle when it comes to passing uh individual statistics but they also had mark andrews that did it of course in this season but that is under the tight end position not wide receiver so it's a little bit of a difference but uh by sending that away you wanted them to address the need and calvin austin seemed exactly like the kind of guy that they wanted to get and as you mentioned peter king was in the draft room for the fourth round of the ravens uh day three draft and they ended up missing out on calvin austin by a single pick instead uh the cowboys missed out on charlie kohler by a single pick so thanks for that um kyle very upset um i so i i do love the ravens class again it's a very popular opinion um i i think it's interesting though i i kind of think that it's it's part of the headliners i, I think everybody looks at kyle hamilton and tyler Linderbaum and, and views those values as, as insane um kind of like a like an album where the first like three tracks are awesome and then it just kind of fades like uh, like Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. Um, Kyle followed me on Instagram last week, everybody, so I'm getting to know him on a deeper level. Um, he'll, he'll find out that I'm <laughs> I'm a fan of alternative rock from the early 2000s. But, um, you know, it's obviously everything, you know, like there's so many, every fan base is, is now like questioning every mock drafter that had players they got lower than they ultimately were drafted. And I thought something that was a little bit interesting just to kind of confirm priors or judge my own priors. Um, Arif Hassan does a great job with the consensus board uh, over at The Athletic. And based on overall return on investment relative to consensus board, the Baltimore Ravens had the fifth best draft in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs actually had the third. Um, the Carolina Panthers had the first. And some of that is like the positional value of quarterbacks. Obviously, the Panthers walking over with Matt Coral, and that affects like the Falcons draft class and things like that. Um, but but there is there are some different value 
perspectives that don't feel like the Ravens had the unquestioned best draft in the NFL. Do you feel like that's a fair argument? Yeah, of course. Everybody feels like they have the best draft, you know, every single year. And you see the big number of, of first round picks that went to the Ravens, that you went to the Jets. Right. And you immediately assume, wow, these guys have three pro bowlers right away. They're going to jump in. They're going to make a name for themselves. But in reality, we all know that draft grades are, they are exciting and fun to discuss. And you can see and make arguments for the value. But you also, these players have to develop and not only develop into uh, starting caliber players but beyond that and it doesn't always pan out sadly uh, not every you know not all 262 picks get to go to the pro bowl every year I, I also noticed i think it was in in the article that you mentioned from son that uh, a lot of the value has to do with if you have more picks like pete sweeney mentioned uh your your value is going to be higher because you had more picks right. to go with and it also didn't calculate the trade that the Ravens right. sent away in acquiring that value to get tyler linderbaum because they just sent away their only thousand yard receiver. Yeah, I have a question for you just about the the weekend in general, because this seemed to be a celebration of the Ravens, especially as the, the grades came out. But you also had on, on night one, Lamar Jackson very publicly freaking out about this trade, it seemed like, and then not being so happy with the center pick. Where does that stand in, in your eyes at this point? So Lamar did comment that it wasn't having to do with uh, Tyler Linderbaum okay. uh, being the pick. Uh, he 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 quote tweeted tw that and said it has nothing to do with my new center, but it had to do <laughs> with the Marquise Hollywood Brown trade, which okay. is also a little strange because he knew it after right. day one. We interviewed. We had, we had an opportunity to talk with uh, Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta, head coach John Harbaugh, and director of player personnel Joe Ortiz. And they all yeah. said that they had talked with Lamar throughout this entire process. They also said that Hollywood Brown requested a trade in year two of his deal. So not at this offseason, but the previous one. And they did not send him away, obviously. He played with the Ravens. And then he had over, uh, you know, I believe 90 catches, 1,000 yards. And he still wasn't happy. He wanted to be more of the focal point of the offense is what it sounds like and uh he wanted to more targets it might have been as well it wasn't exactly it but yeah lamar jackson's a wtf on twitter after the trade went down mm. but he most certainly knew about it because hollywood said that he had spoken to lamar after year two and his frustrations and then again after year, year three and his frustrations and throughout the trade process and once the trade was completed uh, Lamar is it sounds like is acting as if he didn't know about this publicly, <laughs> but he most certainly did because Hollywood Brown is his one of his closest friends. They drive to the facilities or the games every day together. They were always in the same vehicle on that. So it seems a little bit like a public facade of, oh, man, I had no idea this was happening when in reality, it most certainly was informed from the that Ravens front office that they were in just talks and conversations about it the entire time i thought that correct me if i'm wrong but like that's very odd RJ, like isn't that odd? you can talk about this rj but that seems very very weird well to it me, seems very opinion. dramatic um and it, i also like on one hand empathize with like it was his first opportunity to sort of like publicly express any feelings about it given the like kind of you know yeah. tight-lipped nature of the of the trade but there's a lot of um walking back happening publicly by stars in the nfl lamar jackson although he hasn't technically walked it back sean mcveigh with the cole strange thing and then the 
next day, like, you know, literally just like bowing down to Bill Belichick and apologizing as profusely as he could, uh, which is what Pete should do to you, Kyle Barber, because you're kind enough to take time to join us here uh, on Monday Football Monday. Before you leave, uh, if you could cast your vote for MF double MVP, uh, Monday Football Monday, most valuable player and explain your reasoning. I absolutely have to go with Rachel here. Okay. Rachelle is the goat. Mm-hmm. It makes the most sense. She helps put these shows together. And though RJ has that energy and brings it and delivers it, and Sweeney has the cool, calm nature to uh, settle in every Monday with you. I, I'm laughing in the car every morning that I, I listen to this show. I, I listen to some of the other SB Nation shows. Uh, well, that, the like, content they're, like they're here, good ones, the way, like on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. They're a great show. Sadly, I have to listen to Tuesdays because they have enough hot takes that I have to yeah. contribute that mm, to Ravens.com when they're out of place and say that Lamar Jackson might be the seventh best quarterback in the AFC. And all that. So uh, that's definitely hit the front page, BaltimoreRavens.com on late for work. But also, uh, quick things. One, RJ, you can't claim to be a Cowboys and Bills and Ravens guy. You got to have one AFC, one NFC. And I know you too frequently are like, my Bills, the Buffalo Bills, my Bills, Josh Allen. You can't do that and also be like, my Baltimore. You can't do it. I can't allow that. Look, Kyle, allow that. The, 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 if I have to choose, I'm choosing the Bills. I'm really sorry about this. But the Ravens thing is because of the oddcast, because they hate on them so irrationally, I've come to their defense. So I sort of feel like they're knight in shining armor. Like maybe we're not like, you know, together together. But, you know, like I'm here to defend the Ravens from an objective standpoint. And I feel like I'm the only one ready to do that. So that's, you know, that's where you're, the my comes from. But like I, I'm in love with the Bills as far as AFC. You're, teams. you're, you're you've been a perennial chiefs hater. And then this off season, now you're turning your back on the rest of the AFC West. So not only are you a bills and Ravens yeah. guy, you also have claimed in recent weeks to somehow also be a chiefs guy. I you also hate the, last the Colts. Like, the just to be clear, like, least, let's get all my emotions yeah. out. I was going to say, at least thankfully RJ has stuck to the script of loathing the Indianapolis. Yeah, that's team his least and favorite also team. Also the, the chargers squad. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Good job on that consistency. Um, Kyle, please, last RJ. thing, um, you know, the, the question I asked a little while ago tore us apart. Well, although you choosing Rachel helps mend us back together. If you could, in your final thoughts here, explain why Monday Football Monday is so much better than the Oddcast, we would appreciate that. Yeah, that would be good. You know, the best way to describe it, and I've mentioned it multiple times already, is RJ Ochoa's energy is something that you do need on a Monday morning. You That's know. Right. If you're working that traditional Monday through Friday mm-hmm. or not, you need some energy to perk you up because everybody around you is gonna be like, oh boy, it's Monday. RJ never delivers the low energy Mondays and it's something that I value. Pete Sweeney comes on here. He keeps the show level headed. He delivers some solid information and it's worth giving a five-star review to this show. I tell you what, fans, I know you're listening. I know you're able to do so. Put the five stars on there. Talk about how great these two are. And you can even talk about how you're not a big fan of RJ Ochoa's uh, sidekick on the NFC East mixtape, Brandon Lee Gowden. So thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm going to do the quick plug for myself now. 
Uh, definitely follow me at Kyle P. Barber. Check in on BaltimoreBeatdown.com for my work and all things Baltimore Ravens. I have a wonderful staff that I'm thrilled with their draft coverage. We produced uh, a, you know, a litany of articles over the last three days, and we're only going to have more as the draft process ends. And finally, I am on BaltimoreRavens.com. Check out my Late for Work series every Monday morning. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I love doing The this. all-time GOAT, uh, my second favorite chess player of all time behind myself, of course, Kyle P. Barber. <laughs> Barber, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. One love, my friend. One love. Pete. Baltimore Barber. I didn't realize he was on Ravens.com. Late for work. You know what, Pete? Uh, I, it's a really terrible thing to say with him still lurking in the background because he shouts out the SB Nation NFL show frequently on BaltimoreRavens.com. Yeah. So, great job. Well, great job. That's After great he just showered us with love and affection and praise. Baltimore Barber. Mm. Does he live in Baltimore? He must, I guess, if he was Look, at the Ravens. Pete, I don't know Kyle's social security number, or you know. Does he live in Maryland? I, look, I'm not. I'm not invasive it's like ba- that. But I will Baltimore, tell you that Maryland, we, have, right? we, we constantly have a chess game going. He and I with the chess app, and um, you know, I was pretty confident in my skills when we first started. But Kyle has bested me more often than I would like to admit. Um, just like the Ravens, the best the more often than you'd like to admit. Some people ch- play chess. You know, Brett Veach, Andy Reid. Some people play checkers. Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nice. Um, anyway, uh, Brett Veach had a shout out last week on, um, on Monday Football Monday with Ross Tucker, your boy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, anyway, let's move on, Pete. I mentioned it. Um, I have a list of favorite draft classes. Um, I do have the Kansas City Chiefs on there. My top five. I'm interested in hearing yours. Uh, number one, Baltimore Ravens. Number five, Kansas City Chiefs. So sandwiching them in between. It pains me to say number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. It pains me even more to say number three, the New York Giants. And number four, start spreading the news. Pete hit us with that Frank Sinatra. Beautiful baritone voice. The New York J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, I really like the the Jets class. I I thought they had a really nice draft. And there's one thing holding back. That, but go ahead. No, it's a team that really needed, I think, in order to come sort of out of the rubble, in a sense, uh, to to get to like a a, a team that can maybe push to be around 500, um, maybe better than that, just depending on the development of Wilson but I really enjoyed the the Gardner pick uh in the beginning there when seemingly he fell I mean this is a guy that has so much confidence he's been telling the the best pick in the entire draft and then to go and and fill the positions of need and they basically stole uh Brees Hall everyone thought that he would be a Buffalo Bill and uh now he goes in division to the New York how do you say that they stole him when the Bills passed on him 
I mean, like, that's not stealing. Like, I would say, like, I, you could say the Philadelphia Eagles stole Jordan Davis from the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think the Jets stole Brees Hall. Everybody's passed on Brees Hall. Yeah, so they stole Brees Hall from your Bills, and I'm eager to see what he does for the New York Jets. I also thought, and you would, you had mentioned the Giants, but I think but hold, this hang is, on. No, is worth I, I have a thought on, on the Brees Hall thing. Like, oh, oh, go that's, ahead. That's what's holding the Jets class back for me, and I hate to be, like, the running backs don't matter guy, but, like, you, the Jets were killing the draft, obviously, and, and the Jermaine Johnson move was awesome. But why are you trading up in ever but in the second round, like still high value, premium capital, et cetera, et cetera, for a running back? Like in general, like I disagree with that move from a resource standpoint when Michael Carter was awesome last year. I, I mean, it just it doesn't. It doesn't pass the smell test. Like that's a weird move. Yeah, that's, it, that's a that's every, a like we're just like, you know, flying by the seat of our pants move to me. Every team in the league or, you know, quality team, at least in the running back room in the league right now, has multiple guys there. Yeah, Carter was great, but I like the jump. If you're nah. you're jumping up to go get him, that means that other teams were interested. And I have or no problem even at the running back. I have no problem even at the running. No, it means they, that there was like legitimate info that said mm. this guy was not going to be there when you pick, in my opinion. Um, of course, the information has to be right. But what I'm saying is. If you like a guy, I don't care if he's a running back. Do I want to jump up in the first round to go get a running back? No, I think those days are over. Should be over. It would be an embarrassing thing to do. At That's almost point. what it was. Um, I mean, like it was the top of the second round. Like, but I mean, I'm saying that if, if if you've identified that this guy can be a real contributor, especially in a league that is offense first, I, I have no problem with them going up and, and getting him, especially if they knew that someone else was was interested. And it appears to be the Houston Texans were interested. So. I don't I don't hate that. I, I mean, like, I don't hate it. It's like I don't loathe the pick, but like that holds it back for me from being an all time, like amazing draft class. Um, but I mean, Sauce Gardner. Well, that's the thing about even judging these these classes, though. Like, we don't really know. I mean, it looks I, I like that's why I'm, I favored these teams that were able to really get value at positions of need, because that means they maneuvered well, either trading up, trading down and, and making sure that they were uh, exhausting every option there. And so, I, I mean, I. We'll see, right? Like if Hall, is, what 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 does Hall have to do this year for you to be like, okay, that was a a good. You move. could lead the NFL in rushing your rookie year, and I think maybe live up to the value of a second round pick. Like where where other like other ways you can spend that. Like that's the thing. Like it's so impossible at that position to live up to the value relative to those picks. And that sounds ridiculous and stupid and hyperbolic, but like that's that's how valuable those picks are on the on the like surface. They're like let alone when you factor in trading for one. Um, so it's just it's a questionable move for me. Like I mean, and whatever. I also thought the headline was funny. I think it was ESPN that like the Jets brass was like refuting praise, like that they were like unaccustomed to or whatever. Um, but the other uh, New York team, Pete, can we start spreading the news here? The New York Football Giants. Pete grew up a Giants fan uh, on the streets. In Queens, New York, he is Queens Boulevard. Uh, what did you think of uh, you know the shadow of Dave Gettleman? Judy Judy Batista had a, an article for NFL.com that basically said that like New York football in general, and we're talking about the downstate New York because Buffalo will always remind you that they're also a New York team and the other two teams. I don't understand Jersey. any of that anyway. garbage, brother. Like downstate, tri-state, like states are states. Like you can't you, know, you can't like amend yeah. the, what no. the word state means. Upstate New York and downstate New York, and depending on when you're which borough you're you're in, and West Westchester and Long Island, all of them feel like different states. And that's why people like, especially like upstate New York, is very different from anything like tri-state area mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Long Island. Anyway, so uh, to to the New York Giants, I thought that this is, deserves a mention, and and this might have been one of the most key pieces of of day one is 
the Giants wanted both uh, Thibodeau and Evan Neal, and they really wanted Neal. And what, you know, this ended up coming out with Ian Rappaport after what they decided to do was like take a little bit of a risk here and go and get Thibodeau because they didn't feel like they could get both if unless they did it in this order. And they really didn't want uh, to lose that on Neil, but they evaluated and said, you know, we still think he'll he'll be there at seven. And they were able to get these two players and uh, projecting them. They could be cornerstones of both sides of the trenches. So I just thought that was really shrewd and, and definitely worth a mention on our show. I think the Giants and the Eagles, it's I'm saying it's annoying, both had great drafts in different ways. Like, I think the Giants have a, had a very measured patient long-term approach to their draft like it's frustrating to see that they now have like professionals and competent adults in the room leading their charge where i think the eagles had a little bit more of a potential impact now like a, a shorter window type of thing um obviously trading for aj brown kind of accelerates the impact from their draft class obviously it's not a draft pick but i mean um you, you get the point um i i love what new york did I, it was really frustrating to watch them kind of just sit and and see Thibodeau fall to them um I don't I can't think of a year where the number one overall pick I know we haven't even touched on the Jaguars has been as like doubted or not believed in yeah. as much as Trayvon Walker is it, it's it is almost like consensus and again like you know any fan of any team today is saying like just give it time like we need to see who these players are like obviously but again like relative to opinions of professionals um it really feels like the Lions and Giants laughed their way to their edge rushers while um, the Jaguars took Trayvon Walker. This was kind of a head-scratching move. That is going to be something that is looked at, I think, for the next three years, right? Because when you go out on a limb there and you have what every analyst would, would tell you, every draft analyst would tell you, like some surefire edge guys there, and you, and you end up going with Walker, I mean, people are going to really be um, looking at that, and, and they're going to be looking at it under a microscope. And you had all these different smoke signals where the ownership wanted Hutchinson apparently um, Doug Peterson supposedly wanted an offensive lineman and then you had Balky who wanted a Walker and there was reports of a power struggle and then Doug Peterson has to come out and say no we were all on the same page after such a disaster last year with the Urban Meyer situation you you just would have thought okay they're going to be all on lockstep and in a way, go the safer route. This feels like a very unsafe route on on a, an organization, especially front office wise, that has to perform this year. Or you know, you're going to get questions about that. That's as well. what I'm saying. It feels very opposite of the Giants' draft class in that sense. Like the Giants feels very like safe, high floor. Not not that like low ceiling or anything like that. But it's just it's frustrating. Um, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, other classes um, that are the other class we haven't touched on it. Kansas City Chiefs. It was so frustrating like unbelievably frustrating to to literally watch sky Moore plummet and it was so interesting to see both kansas city and green bay not take receivers in the first round and obviously they kind of got wiped out in the aj brown trade like you know of every mock that you know existed um i think everybody in some way shape or form saw the jets taking a receiver and the saints taking a receiver yeah. i think the lions you know jumping up uh was a little bit interesting certainly uh but the titans trading aj brown mid you know again i'm sure there were mocks that existed that had that happening but that was kind of like the wrench i feel like that threw was thrown under everybody's plans um so it was really i don't love the the, the mcduffie pick but the the carl aftis pick to end night one i thought was incredible and then again to watch sky Moore just plummet all the way down to kansas city in the second round i mean he is going to be incredible like uh, you're a big fantasy guy Pete like number one overall pick in dynasty leagues if it isn't 
Sky Moore, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Seriously. I I find that that the the Chiefs draft is really interesting when it comes to, you know, we were joking with with Kyle, but your your bills, because the Chiefs jumped the bills to take McDuffie, who they thought the bills were going to select and the bills end up with Elam. I mean, we always talk about how um, the quarterbacks are in the same class. The Chiefs, in a sense, and this is in the late 20s, called their shot here um, and we're going McDuffie over Elam. And now you have maybe their number one AFC rival. Again, I, I need to see the Bengals. Uh, back up what they did last year. Um, to me, it's still the Chiefs and the Bills, but it's this cornerback, cornerback situation. And then you mentioned the Sky Moore uh, pick. Not only I, I did I think the Sky Moore pick was 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 nice there, as you said, with him falling um, to pick fifty four there. But they actually traded back, mm-hmm. uh, and instead of taking Pickens, uh, they saw Pickens go to the Steelers, and they just held their breath, held their breath, and Moore was still there. So they called their shot and got a fifth rounder back. Uh, from the Patriots, and they took a, a player called Darian so, Kennard. Hang on, just they, to, they have just a, inter- they have a need it right. Tackle. Just to interrupt you very quickly, uh, like any any assessment of the draft that anybody reads for the next week, you know, there's lots of and they're all fantastic, but there, there's lots of them that are going to say like you know favorite pick for each class, and a lot of riders are going to pick Sky Moore as the favorite pick for the Chiefs, right? Like I'm yeah. sure you've seen that Darian Kennard again, relative to value. I think is maybe like in contention for that pick feels very similar. And you jumped on his belief train, I think a little bit too strongly, but feels very similar to the Trey Smith pick last year. Like kind of like a, how did this happen? How did this, how did he fall all the way here? And it was funny last year with the chiefs needing such replenishment along the offensive line. Um, I thought the Darian Kennard pick was outstanding as well. Well, what's interesting is, they essentially in that trade with the Patriots, they said they traded Pickens, who they could have had at that pick for more for and, and what, Sky Moore and what would be Kennard. And, you know, for those who don't really know about the Chiefs offensive line, they're set from Orlando Brown at left tackle all the way to right guard to Trey Smith. And then they have Andrew Wiley, a veteran, you know, marginal average veteran there at right tackle. They needed someone like this guy to push uh, Wiley. And then immediately, I mean, we talked to this guy, Kennard, right after he was very upset that he fell as far as he did. He didn't think he should. And this guy's going to at least push Wiley. I wouldn't be stunned if Kennard becomes that fifth piece of a really good offensive line for Patrick Mahomes. And that's getting to, that's going to be so important because you've now lost the quick dump to Tyreek Hill right. and watch him go for, you know, they're going to need the additional time to have these plays develop. And so love uh, to see the Kennard pick. And he's already mentioning Trey Smith. So we'll see if it's, it's a back-to-back uh offensive line type of year for the Chiefs in, in that sense. I feel like, and Kansas City didn't, but it, it does feel like everybody drafted a tight end. You know what I mean? Like, And again, maybe you don't, like, you're not, you know, but like we were so in uh, on our live show at Belong on the Boys on Charlie Kohler, who I mentioned to Kyle, went one pick before the Cowboys took Jake Ferguson, the tight end out of Wisconsin. Uh, Trey Mc- Fergie Ferg. <laughs> Trey McBride went to the Cardinals. Um, you know, th- there were there were tight ends, you know, Jeremy Rucker went to the Jets. There were there were tight ends. Jelani Woods went to the Colts. Like, they were all these just like, it was like tight end, tight end, tight end. Like, it feels like this, and everybody talked about that. This was such a tight end rich draft. Um, but it, I feel like that position is on the rise as well. Like I mentioned, Dynasty Leagues, that's such an interesting yeah. position as a whole, like as it relates to fantasy. I don't know which one I value the most. Like, there are these interesting spots now uh, with tight end. Like, that's been a position that has largely just kind of had, like, three or four superstars and then a bunch of average dudes. And I do wonder what like the future of this position looks like with all these tight ends hitting on different teams. Yeah, I, I find it. Um, I find it that there's only a few in the NFL in which 
you know, you really look at as weapons slash like wide receivers like Darren Waller, Kittle. I've always said that Mark Andrews should be involved in this. And I know Rachel agrees um, that. And and when you have that type of Dalton wide Schultz, receiver right, Dalton, at, yeah. athlete at the <laughs> at, uh, Blake Jarwin at the uh, tight end position, um, I just think it, it adds another element to your offense. And what seems to be interesting about that, and um, you, you know, you you RJ were like alluding, like maybe running back should be more like this. Is you know these guys like Kelsey and Andrews were drafted in the third round, and so I think there there's some of these teams out there that are trying to take their shot at getting one of these guys, and it seems like they can be diamonds in the rough in a sense. And it's like we might as well. Chiefs had did, did that last year with a guy named Noah Gray from Duke. Didn't really develop as fast as I think they wanted to, but like that's why the Chiefs didn't take one because I I think they already feel high on the guy they have. And so the, you have all these other teams that are trying to get their own Kelsey or, or Waller. And much like, again, a, a one-two punch in, in the running back room, I just think it adds another option. Uh, Andy Reid in Kansas City, you know, covering him, he loves these multiple tight end sets. There's sometimes a reason, especially when you get close to the goal line, to go heavy. And so, yeah, I just think everyone has taken their shot in the sense of, like, let's try to see if we can get our, our own Darren Waller. I think it speaks to the evaluation of the position as a whole. Like, you know how people, especially this offseason with all the wide receiver trades, like, people are so quick to be like, well, wide receiver is the new running back, right? Like, don't pay a wide receiver, whatever, blah, blah. Yeah. I would posit that tight end is the original running back. Like, like, it, like, I'm fine paying a running back, you know, like within reason, if it, if it's Derrick Henry, right? Like, if you have this undeniable, right. you know, different, you know, like exception, that's fine, and that exists at tight end with Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, uh, Kyle Pitts is seemingly going to be in the mix at some point. Mark Andrews, as you mentioned, um, but again, tight end's kind of been that position for a while. Like, you know, like there there aren't you know that many elite tight ends that have existed even in like the 21st century. Like prior prior to the names that we just listed off, you've got Gronk, you've got in Jimmy Graham and Antonio Gates. Am I missing like oh, and Tony Gonzalez? Am, am I missing like another uh, maybe Jason Witten? But he was never like I mean I say maybe like he's a Hall of Famer, but he was never like that kind of tight end. He's he's like the last Hall of Fame vintage tight end. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a and uh, the position has evolved, right? Right, and and uh, it evolved, that's what I'm saying. But like I think th- I I do think that the entire NFL understands and accepts that premise and nobody like I look, I look at Dalton Schultz Cowboys don't you know haven't paid him gave him the franchise yeah, Dalton, you know he, I don't know he's, well, no but what, he, I, like, Dalton, what I'm saying Dalton, is like Dalton teams Schultz. are hesitant to pay the position and like even like CJ Uzama who was awesome last year like barely got a, a deal with the Jets you know what I mean like it's just difficult to get paid unless you are a unicorn at the position um I do want to move on Pete um just yeah, as we kind of slow you know the episode down and, and finish things up um I had put this under the category draft classes we don't understand, and I know you didn't look at the notes, so shout out to you. Um, yeah. At, no, I saw as, that. As that, I, note. that was a good note. As I set this up, I'm reminded of a tweet I saw um, from from this uh, a girl that's like a prominent member of Cowboys Twitter. Her name is Cassidy yeah. McGuire, and it was the night that Andrew Cassidy. Luck retired, and she tweeted that mm. night. She She tweeted, make sure to hug your franchise quarterbacks tight. Because at the time, you know, we were still kind of fresh from Tony Romo's like sudden departure as the Cowboys quarterback. You never know when it can end. You know what I mean? Like you, you never know when when your franchise quarterback's gone, and that's that's a hard you know bridge to cross and get over as a fan. And I don't know that I would say that this team is in that space, but this draft was like a like not quite like shut the book end of one era, 
but it was mm-hmm. definitely the beginning of new times at the Tennessee Titans, obviously trading away AJ Brown and very clearly, you know, turning the hourglass upside down on Ryan Tannehill's career and the sand is starting to fade there. I mean, we are very close to a completely new era of Tennessee Titans football. And I don't know that that's something that everybody was necessarily ready for as far as an overall total reset. Yeah. Uh, when you trade, Brown like they did I I think you're admitting okay we need to change this entire franchise around because your team is is going to look different you end up taking Willis and you know that's clearly going to be and I, I don't, a guy I, that I think, you're going to develop this I year. Think every, like, I think there are a lot of Titans fans who maybe were like braced for one or the other, right? Like, okay, well, we might trade AJ Brown, but like, we'll still yeah. have Tannehill. We'll still have Derrick Henry, like blah, 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 or vice versa. Like, okay, yeah, we might draft Willis, but like, they're not trading AJ Brown. So he'll come in, he'll have Brown, he'll have Henry, blah, blah, like, blah, blah. And like, you know, Brown is gone and Tannehill's still there. But the, you know what I think is funny, and I know I'm all over the place with the Titans, but so two years ago, the Packers draft Jordan Love. And the conversation is immediately, well, Packers fan, like, how can they not play him, right? Like, as, as soon as Aaron Rodgers struggles, like, they're going to have to play him, right? I, I think it's interesting how we feel that way more about established quarterbacks than kind of, like, ho-hum quarterbacks. Because with Tannehill, there's nobody that's, like, feeling like his job is threatened. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, they're just going to have him sit. Like, right. why? Why would he not present the same sort of threat that Jordan Love would have, you know, hypothetically to Aaron Rodgers? Well, I think, I think ideally, people have this built-in year where the, the quarterback can sit now that's not always going to be the case if you're drafting him like in the top five picks I, I think a lot of times you're going to want to see that guy start uh, right away sorry to stats uh for for that sore subject but um this to me is okay we're not evaluating him as as necessarily a first rounder we we have other needs they end up get, going burks which again you're you're taking a rookie and you know tyron matthew in the kansas city debacle that's kind of happened with him like he new member out, of the new orleans Saints, by the way tyron matthew potential is not production right in the sense so you're trading brown and hope hoping burks can in a way live up to brown and so you're seeing some franchises they're going young at the position and others are going in a different direction and saying we're not going to pay this and we're going to invest in other areas there is a like school of thought here pay the wide receiver versus a school of thought of like let's be young at the position and the titans ended up going in, into that school of thought we'll see what ultimately wins out it might be both in a way like some like tyreek hill may be great for the dolphins brown may be great for the eagles maybe uh he's not and then the titans are a more complete team a couple years from now like we're going to see how these play out but i just thought it was really interesting and then with willis like i said and, and getting back to that quarterback thing i think what they're going to do is have him sit for a year and see if he can develop and his game and become a pro quarterback and then maybe push to start next year. And then what happens to Ryan Tannehill? I don't know, but it is uh, a reset. You went from a team and this is crazy to say with the Titans who were able to get that, that bye week. And now there's no chance that they get the bye week. There is no, you have a 0% right. chance of getting the that, bye That's week. what I'm and saying. So like you're taking a nosedive off the, num- that, which the is number one incredible. seed in the AFC is like experiencing dramatic change. It's, it's just, it's a little bit jarring is, is all I'm saying. Um, if we look at the rookie quarterbacks specifically, we haven't really like talked about them as a subject because the class yeah. is a little bit underwhelming. If we assume each one as the starter on their team, which is a big assumption, but if we if we assume that, Kenny Pickett is the what best quarterback in the AFC North, the fourth, right? Like the, he's last. Like there's yes. just no very clearly. Right, okay, yes. so he's yeah. he's last, and he's the first one that went off the board. Desmond Ritter right. is the what best quarterback in the NFC South. last i don't right? think he's last i mean like so uh, obviously tom brady is number one well, the pan- i mean panther I, I mean uh, Jameis is number two so right like 
even if Sam Darn, like I know we're assuming, like, third. Assume, like third. I know I said yeah. we assume every quarterback is a starter, but if Desmond Ritter is the only rookie quarterback to start in the NFC South, is he not better than Sam Darnold? I would take any door over Sam Darnold at this point. <laughs> so you could put any of these guys in Carolina. Right. So, or, okay. Um, so, so in Atlanta. His, he's and, kind yes. of, his ceiling is third right now, right? Because of the Sam Darnold factor. And, right. and, if, and so one of those rookie quarterbacks is third if they both start in the NFC South. But if we look at the AFC South, if we, if we presume Malik Willis to be the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, he's the what best quarterback in that division. I think there's an opportunity for him to be second, maybe even first, right? Like we still don't know. The jury's a little bit out on Trevor Lawrence and we're all willing to give him time, but it's not like the Jaguars gave him a lot of help during this draft. Matt Ryan is a shell of his like MVP self in Indianapolis. And they, they're really talking themselves into that. And you know, Davis Mills, I'm sorry. Like I think Malik Willis is you in the best. Such an indie hater. It is just incredible. Look, I think Malik Willis is in the best position. Like I think he's the best rookie quarterback relative to his team's production and some of that is his team etc but like i think he's the like if you rank all the quarterbacks in each of their divisions i think malik willis is the highest right now i think that's fair that's that's fine and and with the situation and, and everything but what is interesting about it you know in in tennessee is could you see him playing this year if it got to be a case where enough time had passed and maybe Again, we'll see how Tennessee does, but if they are in a position where maybe they're not going to make the postseason because they are I think, uh, changing. See, and I don't think that there's any way they don't make the postseason because the AFC South is that bad. The Titans approach to yeah. me feels very similar to the Cowboys. Like we're kind of trying to like stay, you know, tread water and also build for the future. But we know we can tread water because right. our division is so bad, you know, like. Right. And that's lazy. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, another team whose draft I did not like the Titans draft. I just didn't understand. It was a little bit weird. One that I am sad about, uh, because I really like the head coach. I, I just love the team. Like I want them to, to do well and be well, but it's just like, they're not is do like I mentioned the the Jaguars really did nothing to help Trevor Lawrence. What are the bears doing? I mean, this was a very difficult <laughs> overall. I mean, they improved their secondary. Cool. How is that helpful? I mean, I just like I, I right. it is not a productive that they're about to burn year two of Justin Fields in disgusting fashion. Well, you know, I, I think they're going to win or try to win ugly here. But, yeah, no, it, it didn't seem like they helped what's going to be their second year quarterback uh, all that much, especially with the, the premium picks and. Um, you know, sometimes I think draft classes will tell you what maybe the personnel staff thinks of of a certain player. And you know, this would lead you to believe that maybe they're not necessarily think think they're ready with that quarterback to win right now. And it's it's more of a, a multiple year rebuild. And I, I thought that was very interesting with Fields. I, I, I you know, you have Brian Poles from the Chiefs coming in. I just wonder if he truly fully 100 percent believes that Fields is the guy that's going to have them in a position to win right now. Mm -hmm. um, Pete, do you have any thoughts on the draft? Final closing thoughts before we get Rachel in here to, to close out MF double MVP? I think really quickly we, we should mention the first two picks of the Lions because, oh, you know, Aiden call. Hutchinson fell to them uh and they make the easy friend of the SB Nation NFL show Aiden Hutchinson by the way they they go up and, and get who a lot of people you know without the injury would have said maybe this is a top five receiver in, in Jameson Williams I don't know if he was so happy to be going to Detroit but it is what it is uh and then they take another edge uh Josh uh what is Patchell am I saying that correctly yes uh from Kentucky in the second round so uh they get their ankle biters um which you like uh, and they, you know, they sandwich that with Jamison Williams, 
I wonder what the Lions plan to to do at quarterback. It, you know, they didn't end up going and, and taking one. So I, like um, just piggybacking off of that. And I know everybody has killed them for this. Um, I read Chad Graff's um, kind of yeah. autopsy on the on the Vikings draft in the athletic um, on Sunday night. Yeah. And the Vikings traded back with both the Lions and the Packers and allowed Williams to go to Detroit and Christian Watson to go to Green Bay. Um, I mean, like, I don't think you should operate your NFL team like in future defense of the memes, you know, like that's a, that's right. a stupid way to put it. But <laughs> but like if if they're getting burned by these two receivers, like any time that either one of these receivers burns or scores on th this team specifically, which the likelihood of right. it is high, but given that they're division rivals, it will be this like. Vikings Twitter will be this constant like way to go, you know, like all you. This is your fault. You trade, you know, like, and I, I think that's that's weird. Like, that's a weird thing to do and and way to operate. Um, I don't know. Like, I also was not a fan of what the Vikings did. It was a very suspect draft overall. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. I don't have uh, any strong takes on that, but I can see what you're saying with that point. Um, Rachel, if you would uh, grace us with your presence now, you are the clubhouse leader with one vote, uh, a big vote for MF double MVP today. Um, who would you like to vote for? Or actually before that, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the draft? What team did you like? What team did you not like? Who do you hate? Who do you love? Of course, I loved my Baltimore Ravens, our Ravens pick. Our Ravens. All of them, start to finish. Our Ravens, okay, yes. Start to finish, they were really, really strong. So I got to go with the Ravens. I also loved what the Jets did. Can't be mad at them at all. But at the same time, um, I do feel somewhat, I agree with what RJ mm. said. This is my vote. This is my vote for MF double MVP. I have to give it to RJ. I side with what you said about running back Brees Hall when you're talking about like position right. value, trading up for running back. I got to agree with RJ, so I'm going to give him the award for today. Michelle, that means for the first time in Monday Football Monday history, we have a co-MF double MVP. You and I share the award today. Kyle Barber voted for you. You so generously voted for me. That means the only person that is a mainstay here on Monday Football Monday who is not MF double MVP today is Pete. Uh, Rachel, uh, what, what do you want to say? Uh, I will let you speak on behalf of both of us. We both won the award today. We made it through NFL draft season. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time coming, but we made it through. Thank God. I am happy that it's over. Yeah. You guys did phenomenal coverage leading up to it and job well done. Uh, obviously I, I don't agree with the picks, but congratulations <laughs> to you guys. Pete, well, um, what are your thoughts as again, the only person on the show who didn't win MF Double MVP today? Well, you know, look, I have a lot of the MF Double P's <laughs> in my trophy case already. And uh, with that being said, I think sometimes you got to do something that's called share the wealth. And uh, I have no problem with that. I, I need you guys to have good self-esteem each and every Monday, Football Monday. Mm. And I know that now, next week's show will be even better because of that. So I, I like it for the show. Spoken uh, like a true you know, loser. Do I completely mm, agree? Like a true loser. Yeah. Do I completely mm -hmm. agree with the results? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I would have. I would have voted somebody else. Uh, Rachel, congratulations to us. A big thank you to Kyle Barber. Uh, a big shout out to the Baltimore Ravens. And um, just because I feel like it, a big shout out to the, um, I don't know, to um, the state of Iowa. That's a good time to be Iowa. I don't know. Uh, so uh, <laughs> congratulations to Iowa. Pete, give us a Frank Sinatra tune and send us home. I'd say, you know, the, the Frank Sinatra tune. Actually, okay, Pete, let me do this. 
sing anything you want in the most Iowa voice that you possibly can. Go ahead. I'm I'm going to refuse to do this. <laughs> Iowa's a, a nice neighboring state of Missouri, so uh, congratulations to Iowa for their mention mention here. And uh, listen, uh, you guys have a great day.